0: football is about the jimmies and joes and x's and o's
1: oh, Check
0: new york bozo new york bozo 28 Baker bruce <laughs> it's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays here's where it all starts right here let's play gee money christmas what the hell's going on out here this is inside football with former colts and nfl coach rick venturi It's week nine and it's Wednesday and it's time for another installment of Inside Football here with Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor with Rick today on the Horn who has nearly three decades of coaching background in the National Football League and the Colts are trying to break out of a three-game skid. They're in a slump and this week they're getting ready to face off against the Carolina Panthers, their second straight NFC South opponent, Rick. Welcome back to the podcast, man. How you doing on this first day of November? It's cold outside, dude. Man, it's
1: cold outside. I'm looking out over the 13th hole at Harbor Trees, and my mulch has got a little bit, as you call it, dandruff. uh, A little bit of snow on (laughs) top of that. So, you know, just when I'm feeling good again, and I want to get back out on the chopper, not quite today. I don't think so.
0: No, 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 no. You got to watch that (laughs) weather forecast. See if there's a break in the (laughs) weather there. I was out last night with the kiddos doing some trick-or-treating, man. I would, I had to test that man card. I was ready to go in by about 7.15, but my 6-year-old, she gutted it out, hit about another you know half-dozen houses. You remember those days going trick-or-treating, do you not? Those are some I good do, times. I do, and
1: as a matter of fact, I ran down to Jason, my son's house, and he had the grandkids. He had Austin, and, <laughs> and he was out running around all night. As a matter of fact, I never did see him. I had a little dinner, and I was gone, so I, I don't know what the heck time that 12-year-old got back, but I'll try. <laughs> I'll, I'll trust he got back so yep. but no no really a, obviously a fun time of the year you know we're getting into uh and for us i mean this is big money time you know yeah. we, we're we're starting we're digging that little bit of a hole again and uh we really these next two weeks we really got to get out of it man we got to get out of it no by doubt. uh by bye week but it's 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 only one at a time so I mean, the only important one, our Super Bowl this week is in uh, Charlotte.
0: Two road games for the Colts before that week off, trying to get to five and five before the bye week. Uh, before we get into all that, let's uh, let's go ahead and put that Saints game to bed. It was, you know, certainly yeah. like we talked about, after the game on Monday night, it was gut-wrenching. It was heartbreaking. Yep. It, was, it was all the feels, as the kids say, and uh, the offense continues to put up a lot of points, but... Uh, the defense couldn't keep the Saints out yeah. of the end zone as the Colts now rank last in the NFL on points allowed on the season. In fact, Rick, it, we'll talk about this too. If if you go back to to week 11 of last year, week 11, 2022, when the season kind of started to spiral out of control for the Colts, since yep. week 11 last year to now, the Colts are giving up 30 points per game, which is last in the NFL yep. from, from that standpoint. So how, how do you feel about this New Orleans loss about 36 hours later, kind of putting it to bed?
1: Yeah, you know, you know, and we kind of talked about this Monday night on the on the round table, but it, I really haven't changed. I mean, my my world is really upside down with this team, and it's 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 good and it's bad. I mean, uh, you know, who would have thought, you know, at this stage of the season, you know, that we would rank, you know, so high on offense. We rank in, you know, in six categories that I think are important. The lowest we rank is thirteen, scoring number six. You know, total number eight, mm-hmm. uh, rush per 4.5, number five. I mean, I would have taken this and run with it. And the reason I say it was upside down, I didn't expect that. You know, when we talked day in, day out at training camp, you know, we were just hoping that we would develop on offense with the young quarterback. And, right. you know, never did we think by now we'd be playing a bunch of games with the number two. And then my world is upside down because I'm really – Disappointed in the defense and the graphic that you just pointed out even makes it worse. Um, you know, I think we had really high expectations. There were people talking about, you know, the, the Colts defense, maybe a top 10 defense and it's just been a real disappointment. You know, it really has. I mean, you know, I thought that Shane did a great job on offense Sunday to get 27. I mean, he's getting a lot of yards also against top level defenses. I mean, you look at You look at Tennessee, Cleveland, you know, and now uh, New Orleans. I mean, you're talking about top defenses, you know, and he's 160 yards rushing in every one of those three games. And, and, you know, and the point total, I mean, we've been been over 28 consecutive games. I mean, so, you know, that's really, really outstanding. But then on defense, it's just the opposite. It just seems like we've unraveled and we have no answer for it. Um, you know, 511 yards, uh, 354 and 160. I mean, and against a team that was really struggling, you know, and I think the two terrible statistics, uh, particularly the second one, the first one is we're 32nd in points given up, and I always thought that that was your number one barometer. Now, you can get some, you know, that can distort a little bit if you have a lot of turnovers, which we do, Um, but the worst one to me is we're 28th in total defense, so you're you're exactly right. From week 11 to now, we're really not stopping anybody. Mm-hmm. And I was disappointed both in the way we approached the Saints and then the way we executed. I, you know, and I'm, I'm I don't want to kill it, but you know, I would have never put Tony out there on the outside. And I've heard all the reasons and rationales, but I've watched every practice. I watched all those guys together. Tony is a very serviceable nickel. He can play inside not kill you, he may not win the game for you, but he'll never kill you in there in that position. this defense you know actually gives some help to on the outside. okay, there's no help. this is a single high, sometimes they'll play quarters, but for the most part, there's almost literally no cover two. so there's really no corner roll up everywhere to help him, which to me is a real real weakness philosophically right now because you know you have inferior corners. It doesn't matter how we got here, okay? We can we can argue about roster construction, injuries, suspensions, giving away Gilmore. All those things can be argued, but that's not the important thing. The important thing is where are you now? Mm-hmm. And when you're like that, a staff, a defensive staff, their job is to mitigate the damages, and that's why – you do have to help your corners. you got to play more cover two. You've got to play more corner roles. Cover eight, you know, cover three, cover reverse eight. You can do different things two-man underneath. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do that we are not doing. So, you know, whoever we put out there is not really a top-tier player in the league regardless. So, you know, that's a mistake. And I also – now this, and this isn't new and you because I've caught on this show before – a year ago, I, ordered, I, I, I argued, the, the Eberfluss staff with us, I cannot believe the stubbornness in not pushing. When you're in trouble like this, you just let Kenny out on one side, and you take a kid like Tony, or you take a Blackman, and you play them at the nickel. I, I mean, that goes back 40 years with me. You always play your outside guy. It has got to have priority. I mean, you can see it in the pay pay scale of the NFL, so... You know, and particularly when you were gonna play a team like the Saints, you know, that have so much skill on the outside, and then they have a quarterback who's a big shooter. I mean some guys, you know, won't take those shots outside, but you and I know that guy will that guy will take it at any time, which he proved it. And then we're really we're really struggling uh inside on the interior and that's something that we have to really fix. I mean, you just can't sit there and play with the guys we're playing with Uh, you know, without, you know, changing up. And the change-ups to me, I talked about them last week. When you're in your over, that's when you want to be firing your mic. That's when you want to be firing Franklin, coming off the edge, moving that nose guard so they don't get a shot at him. And then for the life of me, and for the life of me, I can't understand why we're not jumping into some bear. (laughs) I mean, everybody else in the league, it's either now they're you're going to see it almost every down this Saturday in Charlotte. Yeah. I mean you everybody's playing bare. If it's not their first defense, it's their second defense and that really would make us better both on the rush game and on the pass rush game cuz we're not, you know, we're really not getting the pressure, you know, and, and it you know, if it's not Buckner or Abu Khan, it's just not there. I mean, it's really not there. And the problem Buck has interior Is you can slide the protection to a three technique, almost the entire down, and he's still getting some pressure. But it's you know you can't count on an interior guy to do it. So you know we got some real issues, and until to me, until we come to grips schematically, it's not going to get better.
0: Rick, what what would you you know you're playing Carolina today? Secondary secondary wise, we don't know about Juju Brents, but personnel. How how would you try to defend Carolina based on the players you have to your disposal in the secondary right now?
1: Well, two things. Okay, when I went nickel, uh, I would have Tony Brown at the nickel, and I would leave Kenny out at the outside. So I would have Jalen and Kenny at the corners, and I and I would have um and I would have Tony inside mm-hmm. at the nickel. And the second thing I would do is I is I'm going to take away Adam Thielen every single down mm-hmm. it, it, this will be a disgrace now if Thielen comes in and kills us. Thielen has fifty seven catches, you know it's sixth in the league. I mean the next guy has like fifteen right I mean he is their pass offense, and he is really good i mean I think he's he's always been really underrated, but Frank knows he's got to get him the ball, so there is no situation, none <laughs> that he isn't the key guy I mean sometimes like you know, like Trimble has a couple catches in the red zone simply because they doubled him. You know, they got the ball a little bit to their rookie Mingo the other day because they yeah. doubled. You know, teams are just starting to just try to clamp him with two guys. But, again, I told you about how I would line up the secondary and nickel. And then, number two, I would make sure that that guy does not beat me no matter what I yeah. had to do.
0: All right, then well let's close out the capsule here on the month of October. Now it's on in November where the Colts are as we said they're going to play two road games including a game in Germany coming up, then a bye week, and then a home game the Sunday after Thanksgiving and up first a trip to Charlotte to take on the Carolina Panthers who are one and 6. They're off to their worst start. Since the 2012 season, they're in last place in the NFC South, and they own the second-worst record right now in the NFC. But they did notch their first win of the season last Sunday. They beat the Texans on a last-second field goal, prevailing there 15-13. to 13. The victory for them, that was their first in nearly 300 days, and it was the first fourth-quarter comeback for the Panthers as a franchise since the 2018 season. They're now coached by... Former Colts head coach, we all know that, Frank Reich, who guided the Colts from 2018 to 2022, led the Colts to the playoffs twice, uh, guided them to 41 wins, including two years with 10 plus wins in 2018 and 2020. They've got a rookie quarterback in Bryce Young. He's been more up than down so far this season, and they've been outscored by 72 points on the year. And, Rick, four of their six losses have been by double figures. So what else do we need to know about the Panthers? That's their big picture going into game number nine here, or week number nine, I should say.
1: Yeah, I I think number one, you know, obviously the number one factor I'm going to start with and end with is obviously Frank. There's no doubt um, that his presence makes this game um, very, very interesting. Uh, probably gives them a little bit of an advantage motivationally. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think there's no question about it. It just is what it is. Um, you know, for him, the season really is on the brink. Um, but the win Sunday was a great win for them. And it probably was a life a life raft for, for Frank. There are people saying that he wouldn't make it through the season. Uh, you know, they're not a really good team. You know, I've looked at so many teams on tape, you know, they're a subpar team, but we know uh, from history that there's no one in the league that isn't capable of beating someone else. Yep. Just asked um, Kansas city about Denver uh, this last Sunday, you know, and you know, between the lines, young is getting better. I mean, he hasn't been special, but he was really solid against the Texans. He, he, against the Texans he showed them things that we everybody liked about him. He was smart. He does have really good escapability. He's a guy that you have to keep enclosed. Now, he doesn't he doesn't escape to run although he has I think he's 6-3 when he does run the ball, but he really does a good job and this was his strength in college is he will move around and he will uncover guys and look to hit them downfield. Um, You know, he led that last drive. He had two long drives, didn't score a lot of points, but they had two long drives. And the last one obviously was a great drive that they got the walk-off field goal, and I thought he was outstanding. So that's got to be good for his confidence. Um, You know, statistically, you know, he's not very good, number 31 in QBR. But, you know, I see the upside. We saw it last week, a real steady performance. Mm -hmm. I really like Chuba Hubbard. I know he's 3-9 after last week, but he was 4-5 going in. And I think that's one of the real keys. He's a real slasher. Now, Frank's offense is very simple right now. I think he's keeping it very simple for the quarterback. Um, You know, there's not a lot of sophistication, uh, both in the running game, it's mostly zone, but he's always been that way. Even when he's here, um, it was pretty much always just a zone offense uh but I think Hubbard is a threat the guy that scares me a little bit the guy that they uh you know that they brought in is Blackshear mm-hmm. um and he has come in and he is kind of a Swiss army knife he's yeah. the guy that's he's
0: that he's like, at really... that third running back role
1: yeah I mean... yeah he he's listed as the third running back yeah but he has really come in and done a really, really good job. Chennault was the guy I was trying to think of. Chenault, the kid from Jacksonville, was kind of their Swiss Army knife. That kind of that receiver, running back, return yeah. guy. Well, he's injured, and so they went with Chena- they, you know they went with Blackshear. And Blackshear scares me because he is really fast. I mean, coming out of the backfield. So I would say you have to be alert for him. And then the offense spins around Thielen. We already kind of touched on it. You know, 57 catches, sixth in the league, and he's really good. And he lines up everywhere. I mean, he can be outside, inside. Uh, Frank is doing his best. Uh, Sean McVay, uh, like they use Nakua. He's in bunches. He's in stacks. You know, so you can't necessarily always get your hands on him. But he is the guy. 57 catches. There is no situation where he isn't number one. Yeah. Now, what's happened is some other guys like Mingo, their rookie, is getting some work now at slot. He had a few catches Sunday. And basically that's just because, you know, at times last week, um, Houston just literally double Thielen and made him throw to somebody else. And then Tremble, the Notre Dame kid, has had two touchdowns in a red zone. Same thing. People double the heck out of, uh, you know, they double the heck out of Thielen, and then your tight end is one-on-one, and he's been able to get a couple touchdowns, okay? Again, not very complicated, pretty much a zone running game, offense all the way. Um, But again, there is no situation that they don't – normally I would say – situationally or when the game's on the line well the game's on the line every play with Thielen so you have to definitely be alert for him now a couple other things I would add to this and this doesn't mean you do it schematically these are guys you have to take away technically Chark is their vertical outside guy he was at Jacksonville high draft pick he's tall he's long and he can run and what they like to do, he's that he's like everybody's kind of that classic X now, which we're seeing every week. What I mean by X, the weak side split in, away from the strength, if they can get you to overbalance, if they can get you to overcover away, he's their 50-50 guy. He's their, he's their back fade, 50-50, one-on-one guy. Doesn't have a lot of catches, but he has a really he's 14-7 per. So when he does catch it, it's usually a pretty big play, so you know that's the other guy I would say that you have to be alert for. Their offensive line, to me, you know they'll block those zones pretty well when they're all shoe to shoe, but they, you know, they're again, they're again, they're a mm-hmm. mess in terms of protection. Even with a mobile quarterback like this kid is, like Young is, they're 29th in sacks. And you know when they're behind or behind in the change. They're really a mess. I thought that Sunday, uh, a Quono, their left tackle, they just killed him. I yeah. mean, he couldn't handle speed to power. And then Corbett came in at right guard, and he couldn't handle a snatch and go. And, I, it's, you know, you hear me talk about it all the time. It's a Baskin-Robbins. It's a, you know, it's a take a number. Which guy do you want to work on? And so that's why I think that's important, and we all know. And I'm just going to tell them like it is, Frank's team have never had good blitz control. They didn't have it here. They don't have it there. Their backstone block very well. They don't do a great job of identification. So if you're, if you're ever going to pressure somebody, it's this team. On defense, their statistics, you know pretty much tell the tale. Uh, you know, they, they, they will play good. If they get an advantage, if they get an advantage, you see they they have a really good, I think they're number three on third down, and they're number six versus the pass. So there's a strength there, but they need advantage. The rest of it, 30th in scoring, 31st in the red zone, and this is a good one for the Colts, 28th in rush per. They're giving up 4.7. But they have some good players. I think Luvu, their inside linebacker, who I didn't know a lot about mm-hmm. until I looked at the tape, He's a really good player, Matt. I mean, in all aspects, you know, he's a tackling machine. Yeah. He's a terrific blitzer. He's got three and a half sacks. I mean, he's uh, he's second next to Burns, and then they have a real fast edge guy in Burns. You know, Burns is a guy that can come off that edge and smoke it. He has five sacks right now. As a as a team, they play really hard. I mean, they really go but to me when i watch them they're out of control their angles aren't good they're flying around but it's not always purposeful and when you're when you're like that you become a bad tackling team which i i think they are you know they lost their guy their local kid here chin uh he's he was their big nickel safety played all over he's being replaced by a young kid named robinson and in base now they'll play some over with um, quarters and quarter half but I tell you what they're going to do against us. They're going to major in five-man bear. You know, Frank wanted to do that a year ago, and and the guy'd never go along with it. And they play two types. They'll play a five a regular base bear with five you know five front guys and two linebackers, and then they'll play a five-one-five where they'll play five one linebacker, one nickel, and four defensive backs. So it kind of depends on the situation, but they'll play bear. Or they'll get in there over, and they'll blitz those two guys inside, those two linebackers inside. And so, in general, what you're thinking is they are really aggressive on first down. I mean, they want to stop the run. They're gonna, and particularly with our team, with Jonathan and Moss, they they are gonna load it. I just guarantee you they will load it. And uh, you know, so I mean, be alert for that. If they get long yardage uh, in their four man line. They do a lot of overloading uh, to one side, and like I, you know, the, the the irony again. They're third on third down. Burns has five sacks, and don't forget Houston, who was here. You know, he plays opposite. He plays opposite Burns. You know, he doesn't have a big year yet this year, but this is another kid. I always look at history on guys like that. That's just a kid with 112 sacks, and 19 strips. So, and he'll be highly motivated as mm-hmm. well. Um, I like their corners, <clears throat> Henderson, Jackson on the outside, um, and uh, Hill at nickel. But mm-hmm. I think you can go after them. <clears throat> I think you have to, because they're going to load it. Like I said, they're going to load that front, and so I think you have to go after them. And I, I'll, I'll get into the must on how to do it. Right. Uh, but in, in, but I think they have an issue because in order to load it, they'll just they'll be naked. They'll be naked most of the game. And then, when they're not because they rush five a lot and they bring five, they also have real problems underneath. I think it's horrendous, and then when you're when you're trying to drop those guys from the line of scrimmage, they get distorted in those underneath drops, and so you know you gotta be good, but they're dangerous uh you know they got edge guys that can make it tough on you. they got a terrific Blitzer and Louisville, and they have really solid corners, so you know there's there's a method for them. To not only be in this game, and you know at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they held Houston to 13. Right. And what was it, 235 yards or something? I mean, they had a really good day on both sides of the ball Sunday.
0: All right, then. Well, let's bust out the blueprints now. Let's get specific here. Let's start first with the Carolina offense. The Colts, as we said, they're hoping to keep that point total down This Sunday after allowing at least 37 points in three straight games for the first time since the 2018 season. Frank Reich, who called the plays here in uh, Indianapolis, he's handed those duties off to offensive coordinator Thomas Brown, who's in his first season in Carolina. They're averaging just 18 points per game. They've been held to under 20 in three games already on the season. Bryce Young is the rookie quarterback. He's out of Alabama. He's the first overall pick. And like we said, it's been a rocky start to his career. But uh, he he did show some poise on the game's final drive last Sunday against the Texans, um, which should quiet some of his critics for the time being. Uh, He posted the best game of his young career. He had a 103.6 passer rating uh, against the Texans, outdueling fellow rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud. And we all remember him at Alabama. All righty, the only quarterback in school history there to pass for at least 3,000 yards in two seasons and finished second all-time in passing yards and passing touchdowns. He was 23-4 and in college and won the Heisman Trophy in 2021. And as you said, the favorite target for the Panthers, former Viking Adam Thielen, it's not even close. He ranks sixth in catches this season with 57. The running game there, it's split up between Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard. And they like both Tommy Trimble and Hayden Hurst at the tight end spot. So, that's the skinny on the Panthers on offense. Rick, help us kind of fill in the gaps as uh, Frank Reich plays his former team, orchestrating that offense.
1: Yeah, you defined it very well. I mean, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna try to keep it simple, keep you know short in the game, uh, try to keep it simple for the quarterback, try to keep him out of bad situations, keep him in advantage all day. Uh, you know, they do a lot of quick rhythm passing on first down, bootlegs, things that, you know, they'd like to think they could be at second and four. Uh, and I think, you know, their their life will live or die based on how well they do that. Um, as I said, they're a very, very simplistic. I think that's by design. It's almost exclusively a zone run team. And when you start talking about who you have to stop, you know, I mean, that starts with Hubbard. Sanders was going to be the starter, but he's been nicked up. He did play a couple plays Sunday, the kid from Philly. But in reality, Hubbard has really been the guy. And like I said, going into Sunday's game, he was 4.5. Now, he got shut down, so it's down to 3.9. But he was—he went into that game at 4.5 per. He's a real slasher. And then again, the, the offense really revolves passing game, all revolves around Thielen you know with complimentary parts shark outside and as you said the two tight ends inside uh I think the danger zone you got to be alert for is Blackshear uh, I look at him as a you know a Swiss army knife you know a guy that can come in and all of a sudden run a wheel route you know a guy that can run a sweep really quick a guy that could split out and get you in the seam uh I just I just look at him as on a team without a lot of weapons, a guy that you have to know where he's at. Um again, uh their offensive line will do an adequate job on zone runs. Um and that's why I like Bear because Bear had bear if you remember last year, Bear just shuts down zone runs. I mean we couldn't make an inch even with Jonathan Taylor a year ago when they gave us Bear. Uh but anyway uh, again, it, it'll revolve around how well the quarterback plays. They do play decent on in the red zone and on third down, but their pass protection is is it just it's just all up and down the line. They can't handle it. Like I said, 29th in sacks with a mobile quarterback, and their blitz control. It was that way here, and it's that way there. It's a no show. All right, in terms of the Colts' blueprint for victory on defense. And this is pretty obvious. Number one, deny the zone running game. Like I said, Hubbard is a slasher, and Blackshear is a loose play guy. It was scary Sunday. Speeds up the game. We have to dominate that line of scrimmage, force those second and longs where that offensive line will be in trouble. I would would do two things. I would get in my over, and I would bring outside pressure and move inside, so that I'm taking away, you know, the boot I'm taking away the edge plays, and I'm moving that nose tackle. And then I'm going to jump into bear, which we've never done with five man front, because I know that Frank just will—he just has no answer for it. And that's also good against play pass and boots. Again, we want to make them one dimensional. That is their enemy. Their enemy is a game that they get behind in the chains. And they have to throw draft back. Number two, just, and this could be one, you got to take away Thielen. Okay, this is their guy. Four TDs along with the 57 catches, and most impressively, which I always look at, 216 yards after the catch. Okay, he's having a great year, and he stands alone on this team. <laughs> if you don't defend him, then it's beyond comprehension, to be honest with you, because he's the go to guy in every situation, all critical situations, you must take him away schematically. And he'll be all over, so it's a challenge. And they're going to do what uh, they do with Nakula at the Rams. They're going to stack him and bunch him. And what they're going to try to do is make you back off. And if you back off, you know what you have to do is lock and load this team. You've got to be able to get up there, level off one another so you don't run into one another, but you want to still pick him up with help as he comes off the line. If they if they can accomplish getting him free access all day, then they're gonna gain the advantage. Gotta take away Thielen. Number three, know who the complimentaries are and play them technique wise. You're not gonna be able to play them schematically. So you gotta I think you can bang the heck out of Chark on the weak side. I've never felt like he was physical. Press him hard and play physical with him. Make him cry and no cheap plays. Alright? All right again, on the running back, uh, make sure, Blackshear, we know where he is. Don't let him have a situation where they could pick and rub for him and get a play. No big plays to him in space. Hug him. Mingo in the slot, I, I-, I see him as a guy that your your nickel corner, because he'll get the one-on-one because they're going to move Thielen into three. They're going to move Thielen on the weak side. So he's going to get a lot of one-on-one. So you want to press him press him hard. I don't see him as a speed guy. I think you can jam and take him away. And then Tremble, again, uh, it has become kind of that red zone alternative, and that's really because of that. So I think that's important. All right, get ahead of the count, number four. Get ahead of the count and rush the passer, enclose Young, make him throw from in the pocket, Make a short player play shorter, okay? What you don't want to do is give him lanes to move in or edge to get out of because he will do it. He's instinctive. You saw it at Bama. I saw it last week. He will get in and out, outside, and then he will throw on the run and uncover people. You can attack them across the line. I think their two weakest guys is Iguano at left tackle, speed to power, He got knocked on his butt three times. Uh, They were able to snatch and go on Corbett because he can't get a second effort. And the other thing is against Frank, This is like I said, Frank has no answer for Bear. The other thing he has no answer for is if you get up and you mug on third down, you walk your linebackers up, you freeze that inside five, and then you come off the edges. We still suffer from that here. We still have not totally overcome that but he has a lot of trouble with those perimeter blitzes, okay? And then I think specialized situations. Again, you do have to give them credit. You know, they're pretty good in red zone and pretty good on third down. And in every one of those situations, Matt, who do you think it is? It's Thielen. Yep. Okay, Everyone alert in the red zone. And then they run some good <clears throat> old fashioned red zone concepts and they'll usually move Thielen around to be the primary guy. Yeah. Dinos, which is a double post, the nine seven three, which is a go, and then a corner and a flat. And then the shave route, which they'll bring him into number three in a trips, and they'll run the outside guys like they like the Colts used to run with Manning. I used to call it Indy Drive. They run both those guys in, and then they take the third guy and run him to the back of the end zone and shave the end zone to the corner. That's where I call it the shave, and that's usually there. And then, of course, they're going to put him in at number three, and they're going to try to work on Franklin one-on-one on the jerk route. So, again, at all times, and primarily in the red zone and third down, yeah, got to take away uh, Thielen. Again, that's the five, and I always just – I'll make one last star – Coach Reich has never been able to run the ball versus Bear with his one-back offense, and he's never been able to hand, handle the mug with perimeter
0: blitzes. Rick Venturi right there. This is inside football. That's the skinny on the Panthers on offense. Let's move down to the Panthers' defense, and let's see if the Colts can move the ball against this Panthers front because the Colts have put up 65 points, Rick, in the last two games, but they don't have anything to show for it. Uh, Carolina comes into the game uh, 30th in points allowed, 28.4 per And before holding the Texans to just 13 last week, as we said, they did give up a combined 84 points and 12 touchdowns the lions and the dolphins so they're pretty good against the pass but very poor against the run they're allowing nearly 140 rushing yards per game and they've allowed at least 100 yards in every game on the season also keep an eye out for brian burns at defensive end he's got 43 career sacks since 2019 that's fifth most in team history and he's got 25 tackles for loss since the start of last year which ranks second in the league they also have former colt justin houston He's at uh, one of the outside linebacker spots. Derek Brown, a very disruptive force along that defensive line. They move him around a little bit. He's got 177 career tackles. And then Frankie Louvu, he's a really good inside linebacker. He had over 100 tackles last season for the Panthers. So, Rick, what else stands out to you about the Panthers' defense and how ripe for the picking are they for this Colts offense that's humming here?
1: Well, the only thing I'll say is they really did kind of shore it up last week. Not that Houston is the, you know, the air yeah. Oriell or the Monsters of the Midway, but they did hold them to thirteen and about two hundred and thirty-four yards. So they did kind of shore it up. I, I think you always have to look, and so Frank knows this team so well. So you know they're gonna they're gonna have a really good idea of what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, and what we have trouble with. Even though we're a different team in some ways. Personnel-wise, we aren't that much different, to be honest with you, than we were a year ago. Uh, You know, they have struggled, as you said, total, red zone. They have really struggled, and they've given up a lot of big plays. Uh, They play hard, but not necessarily purposeful. Uh, I think what they're going to do with us is they are going to play really heavy on first down. They are going to try to get into that second-and-long they're going to try to take Taylor and Moss out of the game. They know that if they could do that, that they're going to have a chance to survive. And they know that even though we're better this year, we struggle with the Bear defense to some degree if somebody like Jacksonville would play at the whole game. Well, they, to me, without Jacksonville's talent, are the closest philosophically to Jacksonville. I see them playing the Bear, either the five-two-four. Meaning two linebackers, or the five-one-five, five, meaning one linebackers in a nickel. I see them playing bare the majority of the game. I see them when they're not in bare. I see them in over, but firing the linebackers and really firing the two middle linebackers and really trying to wreak havoc with us. They, their crusade is going to be to shut down Jonathan Taylor and Moss on first down then if they get in longer yardage situations now they'll begin to add more coverage now you'll see dime pressure you'll see what i call one lurk which is cover one with a rat in the middle uh an eight or a reverse eight meaning a roll either weak or a roll strong they do a good job with like a high buzz where they bring the safety in looks like a quarters but he'll sit in the weak side curl and then there's a little bit of tampa two and two busters so if they can get ahead of the count, uh, with their corners and their rushers, including Lou Vu, they they can they could that's where they could be good. I mean that's you know, it's it's no it's no uh accident that they're number six in the pass and they're number three on third down. So again, their crusade is gonna be there. So in my opinion, and I didn't mention Derrick Brown, you're right. I'm glad you brought up Derrick Brown. Derrick Brown is the one guy in the front interior, who is disruptive, and he does move around, as you said. Uh, so, you know, I kind of, I kind of target Derek Brown in the first level, Burns and and uh, Houston on the outside, and then Louvu in that second level, and then I really do like their corners. All right, all right, the Colts blueprint for victory on offense. All right, we got to pound them, and I think because it's going to be bare. I think it's going to be off tackle into the edges. I think you're going to have to I think they're going to put those three big guys down inside and say okay, we're going to hold on to you and we're going to get Luvu and we're going to let him run to the ball. Um so I think it's going to be an off tackle and edge game again. I think our good running backs, our great running backs actually should think big plays. Okay, this is a team that as I said, they go really hard to the ball, but they take poor angles. They're not a well-drilled angle team. And when you're like that, what happens is you miss a lot of tackles, and they miss a lot of tackles. And so we have to be able to get big plays, and we are doing that. We have to be able to continue to get explosive plays on the running game, and we got to keep that running game alive. And I think the key is this. This week, we have to win against a loaded and pressured first down front. We can't, I don't think we want to abandon it. I think if we abandon it, I think we give them the advantage. So, But that's the challenge because it's not going to be easy. All right, number two, we have to attack their corners, which I think Jackson and Henderson outside are a strength. But because of that loaded front that I just talked about, on the outside, they're going to let those guys one-on-one all right. And on the strong side, especially the strong side of your set, let's say you're in a pro right, their left corner is always going to be man. Occasionally they'll go cover eight and roll weak. But on the strong side, whether it's strong left or strong right, that guy is naked, as I said. So until third down, you want to get after him. And one thing I noticed, okay, if you use Zen motion, in other words, you know, put. You know, right now we're wearing him out, but I like it. Downs, use him in motion, or you stack him, or you bunch him. What happens with them is, even if they're in man-to-man coverage, they immediately back off. They back off. They don't try to lock and level. Why teams aren't doing that is beyond me, because we always did that, lock and level against those kinds of teams. But what you can gain if a team backs off – It means you can get free release, and then you can run downs on them one-on-one, and I don't think they can stay with them. I I mean, and and a lot of it may be underneath. It may be a lot of outs and things like that. But, again, use your stacks. Use your motion. Get that strong side corner off on first down, first down, and get after them. Also on first down, attack with play action underneath. I, I mentioned this before. They like to come with five and they like to play a three short, three deep. Okay, now that is void underneath. I mean, it's hard to play three under and three deep. It's not hard to play three under and four deep because your safeties can dive on curls. But here, there's there's a lot of area in there to cover, particularly with a play fake where you get the backers to bite. Plus, they have guys that, that like defensive end. They'll drop Houston or they'll drop Burns. But when those guys are dropping, particularly with play action, they get really distorted getting back. And again, I think those inside holes are there. Now that's where that's where I'd really work underneath and use downs and Pittman in those holes underneath. Because Pittman is really good when he plays almost like a tight end. He Pittman to me really plays like a tight end and I think he would be outstanding to use in those underneath holes while you lose when you're using downs outside on the corners. All right, number four, in the end, you got to protect the edges. you got to look at who they are and who they could be. Burns is legitimate. Burns is a five-sack guy. He can run the edge. He's not a big speed-to-power guy. He is a finesse, get off the ball, run the edge, turn the circle, and he can go. And then I would never underestimate Houston because I always think guys like Houston have a game or two in them in the course of the season. You know they're they're aged. They're up in the but still, what is it, 112 or 116 sacks? And we've had Houston. Houston, you know, he's had like 19 strips and five picks. So you know those guys off the edge. And then I think one of the best blitzers in the league, one of the best blitzers in the league, is Louvu. So again, again, third down. You know they got three guys there that can make a difference. All right, all right, and then number three. I think be alert for the blitz package on third down. They're going to see it. They're going to if they can get Minshew behind an account. They like to get over there, mug with the overshift, and then they get in that delta, and then they have you know in in that sense, then they have a uh, then they have a couple linebackers with Luvu in there, and they will get up there and fake and they'll blitz and then they'll bring those edge guys. They've seen those edge guys. The other thing they do a lot of is their nickel and their mic come. That is that is Hill and Louvu. They'll bring them both to the strong side, and then sometimes be alert for what I call green dog. A green dog is is when a let's say a mic backer has a fullback and the fullback blocks, then that triggers the mic to rush. He's not an immediate rusher; he's like a second wave, and they kind of do a they do a good job. But again perimeter blitzes have not been Mich- Minchu's friends so we have to make sure we protect that. So, you know, those are the key issues uh when we get really uh, and again, I think it still comes down to keeping our yeah. identity and we have to pound them no matter how hard they play us up front.
0: I like it. Those are the blueprints right there from Rick Venturi here on Inside Football and to close it all out here Rick. I mean Listen, big picture, if the Colts, if they want to turn their season around and ultimately push for the playoffs here in the month of November and December, these are the types of games they got to win. You just kind of mapped out how the Carolina Panthers still present a formidable challenge, but... And I know it's the NFL, it's any given Sunday, but the Panthers are 1-6. They've been outscored by over 70 points on the season. you got to take care of business in games like this, even though Carolina can still win it. It's not going to be easy because the Panthers did find some momentum last week in their first win, uh, knocking off and upsetting the Texans. And you know, like you said, you know these guys are going to be Fired up, they're going to be playing their tails off to get Frank Reich a win against his former team after being let go by the Colts about this time last year.
1: Yeah, you know, in the end, I always say, in the end, uh, they're going to play for Frank. I mean, they, you know, you don't have to tell NFL players what these type of situations mean, right? Okay, this, this in a way, is their Super Bowl. Okay, now they are also capable of starting fast. Um, You know, I watched the Dolphins game really close. I mean, they jumped the Dolphins really good early, got the lead, but they weren't good enough to hold on for 60 minutes. You know, like all teams in the league, and then if you add a little bit of motivation to them, you know, and I I try to point this out, every time we play somebody where we're the favorite, there's not a team in the league that does not have enough playmakers to ruin your day. I think the quarterback is improving. And he can play in the playground. He can play outside. Uh, he can play outside of the guardrails. Thielen is a beast, and we have not done a good job. We've been a kingmaker against every top receiver that we've played. Yeah, five of them.
0: Five has, of them this year, right? That five.
1: has to change. Yeah. Now, I mean, philosophically, you have to come out of there and say Thielen will not beat us. Then on defense, I like Louvu. I like Burns. I like Houston and i think their corners can play in advantage i do and i'm bringing him up and his numbers don't show it but just have your eye on blackshear i see him with bigger role as we go on now the important thing and you just said it there is no yesterday there's no tomorrow the Colts must play right now all right they have that again carolina will have early juice we talked about motivation they coming off that high of the wind, yep. and we have to find a much higher level and deflate them early and often and never let up. And the key word there is deflate, okay? A team like the Panthers will fi- I've been on that end of it, I've been on the other side of it. They're going to find an early high, but you can take it out of them, and they will fold because they just haven't won a lot. If you get on them and you hit them in the mouth and you hit them again and again, all of a sudden that attitude of, oh, here it is, here it goes again, it it creeps in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have an interesting crowd down there. And I don't know how many games you've done there. I was in the division when I was in New Orleans but they have those great lounge areas. And if things aren't going good, it'll look like nobody's at the game. Their crowd, if you, if you get after earlier, their crowd will all go up and drink in the lounge level. Okay. <laughs> so deflate them, put them back into reality, because they are a subpar team, like you said at the end of the day. Again, it all comes down. Go in there. you got to play smart, and you got to play physical. And every coach and every player just simply has to do his job. Now, At the end of the day, this can't get away. You've got to persist and get this game. Absolutely. I don't want to hear any excuses, no rationalization. Go there and take it.
0: That's Rick Venturi. No lounging on this episode of Inside Football here with RV. A full breakdown right there of the Carolina Panthers. The Colts are headed to Charlotte for the first time since 2015. As you said, you saw the Panthers a lot in Charlotte all those years with the Saints and the NFC South. You had some good battles there over the years, did you not? What was your yeah, record we, down there?
1: We really did. I always remember that we, uh, um, yeah, we won. Um, we, we had some big, big games. There's no question about that, the Stevie Smith era and all that. Yep. And uh, it was I always loved Charlotte. I always thought that Charlotte was the Indianapolis of the South. It's a really great town. You know, money and banking city uh, really is kind of the – I think it's the gem of the South today. But they do have – it's a funny crowd. It's a beautiful stadium. It really is. But they have those great lounge areas, and sometimes you'll look out there and you say, is there anybody here today? And everybody's watching the game in the lounge. I'm not going to lie.
0: That's probably where you'd find me if I wasn't working.
1: (laughs) It it is not a hard place to play. But, again, the stakes are really high because, you know, this is the season on the brink now for us. I mean, we've we've got to change
0: it. No doubt. Trying to get to 500 before the bye week starts this Sunday, week number nine. It's the Colts and the Panthers in charlotte great job as always rick man you brought the heat here today on inside football have a great rest of your week and we'll see on the big bird on sunday flying down south
1: all right can't wait can't wait to get on that bird and i'll be enjoying this trip for once (laughs) No,
0: no doubt about it right there that's rick venturi i'm matt taylor and that'll do it for this week's installment of inside football as we always like to remind you for more on this game keep it locked here the rest of the week On the Colts Audio Network, the official Colts podcast had you on Tuesday. It's coming back on Thursday every week as well. And then we'll talk to you next Wednesday, breaking down the Colts and the Patriots before the Colts head around the globe to Germany. But until then, have a great rest of your week. And thanks for listening to Inside Football, breaking down the Carolina Panthers with Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor. We'll talk to you next week here on Inside Football. So long.